Welcome to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two romance-loving pals delight in their shared childhood obsessions. Some of the Patreon fam and I had such a great time hanging out with Allie Hazelwood on Friday night. Patrons, you can look forward to that audio and video coming out on the Patreon this week. And Naima Simone and I are recapping episodes one and two of Hulu's Back in the Groove with the one and only Tay Diggs. I'm so excited. If you want to see what we're up to outside of Mondays, follow us on social media. We're at Heaving Bosoms on Instagram and at Heaving underscore Bosoms on Twitter. I post our reading lists and other fun stuff. It's all me all the time over there, so come chat. I love connecting with you. And if you want to support the podcast in a more direct way, definitely check out our Patreon. The tiers start at just $5 a month, and I'm really proud of the stuff we do and create over there. For example, Jen Comfort has written a bonus scene for Patreon that blew my mind. It's from her new book, Midnight Duet, which is a gender-swapped phantom retelling that's everything I've ever wanted. Speaking of, that's what we're here to squeal about. Jen is here with me to recap the 2004 film that's dear to both of our hearts. For me, I would even call it formative. Phantom of the Opera. Here we go. <laughs> okay, hello. Hello. Excited to be back. Ah, I'm excited to have you come anytime, all the time. I cannot tell you how much I've been looking forward to this because, I mean, I told you a little bit last week about my familial obsession with Phantom of the Opera, but truly, like, unironically, and I, I know, like, as a musical theater nerd, I know that it should maybe be ironic, but I unironically love this musical. <laughs> oh, I know. It's so cheesy, so over the top, and that's what everyone loves about it. I mean, like, yes. don't hold back. Let's go all in. Why go to yes. Broadway if you're just going to do it halfway? That's why it's called Broadway, because it's big. Ah, yes. And I actually today, so I rewatched it today, just to be sure it was super, super fresh. And I roped my six and four-year-old into watching it with me. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was hilarious all the way through, like seeing it through tiny, brand new eyes who like they were trying to put the plot together and they were like, wait, why is he mad? (laughs) I have a list of the questions and (laughs) comebacks that I had for them. (laughs) That is amazing. Cause I also have those questions like on the the 20th watch. I'm still just like, I don't really know why this is happening, but we're going with it and we love it. Just, Ooh, we're leaning in. We're embracing it (laughs) for reasons, for plot reasons. Absolutely. Unexpected horse here? Absolutely. I'll take a horse. Of course. Sure. (laughs) I love a good unexpected horse. I love a good unexpected bareback. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? Oh. (laughs) Clearly not Christine Daae. Oh, no. Christine is very conflicted. And listen, that's that's relatable as well. (laughs) 
she's a little conflicted, but let's be real. She is so into it. Like you throw some of those scenes, you're just like, don't deny it, Christine. You're she all about is this. Sprung for him in a mm-hmm. way that she doesn't think is appropriate, but we all understand. Of course we do, because we read romance novels, and this is we what we it. read them for. Ugh. We want the dramatic Kate Flourish. That is the number one turn on. I cannot tell world. you the amount of times I said, oh, look at him work that cape. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a lot of times. They made sure he had a cape in every scene and an opportunity to dramatically remove the cape. He oh. had to. He had to because he's, oh, he's the best. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and I the amount of times that my daughter was saying, stop singing, I can't hear, was quite a bit, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you know, and some of the songs that might have actually enhanced them, because I would, not, I would not say that everyone in this movie had the best singing voice. Mm. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. Okay, so we're doing this because of your incredible new release that I'm yes. super stoked about. Ah! Yes. Yeah, so we talked about it a little bit when we recapped Falling for Christmas, but you've got a gender-swapped Phantom of the Opera retelling with a, like, hairband hero who's German. <laughs> yes. Exactly, yeah. I just I put in everything that I loved into one book because I didn't know uh, if I'd get to read another one. So I'm wearing my yeah. Scorpions t-shirt right now to... Uh. Pay homage to the most like glam rock, glam rock band. Yes. And that's obviously what Kristoff's band, Knock Music, is based on in Midnight Duet, which is Knocked my new book that just came music. out on the 10th. Yes. Incredible. <laughs> yes, that is a reference to Music of the Night. And it is not subtle because Andrew Lloyd Webber has never done anything subtle in his life. And so why would Andrew I? Lloyd Webber hates subtlety. There's yeah. nothing that he hates more than subtlety. <laughs> Exactly. And you know what else hates subtlety? Glam rock. So I just felt like these things would go well together. And then I decided to set it in the Vegas desert because, you know, Vegas is also not big on subtlety. So these things all just really meshed well together. I hear Gothic vibes, all of it. (laughs) I mean, and that's one of the reasons that I'm so in love with the book because I am not a fan, nor am I great with subtlety. (laughs) So... You know, the whole time I was going through developmental edits on this book, I kept thinking they were going to be like, you need to tone it down. You need to pull it back. This is too much. Like, this is... And people, they were like, no, go for it. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, I'm really happy they let me get away with this book because um, I had so much fun writing it. And as, <laughs> as if people have seen the 2004 masterpiece slash tragedy that is Phantom of the Opera featuring Gerard Butler and Emmy Rossum, they would understand the vibes that went into this book, which are mostly about atmosphere and costuming, a little bit about the music, and not very much about the plot. Oh, it's so... God, I love this movie to the bottom of my soul. I love the show. I love the soundtrack. Like, I'm I'm a mess for this whole thing. And it was so cool today to, like, introduce my kids to it because, because of, like, you know, we haven't really – they're really young, first of all. But also yeah. – we've been in pandemic times for a while. And as a result, I haven't really been able to be like the the musical theater nerd that I often am in the world in front of them. And so I was talking to my husband and I was like, I, I'm, I think I, I got to watch Phantom of the Opera and I really want to do it with the kids. And he was like, 
okay, you can give that a shot. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, is it boring? Cause it's not cartoons. I don't know. And I was like, well, first of all, I don't know if you've seen the movie because there's nothing boring about it. Thank oh, you. No. There's a lot going on. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but it's very like visually stimulating at the very least. Oh, it's so good. And the way that Emmy Rossum, she was like 18 when this was made. Right? No, she, so she auditioned for this movie when she was 16 and she was only 17 during the filming. I've got, I've got uh, goss on this too when we get into it. I'm so, so into it. Yeah. Because Emmy Rossum, this is my introduction to her. And this is when I got the biggest crush on her. I think that's humanly possible, but other people might want to fight me for that title. It's fine. I'll, I'm putting up my dukes. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think her, her husband is the guy, um, what's his name? Sam Esmail. He did Mr. Robot and like several other things. He's like, very well known as like this yeah, creative yeah, yeah. genius or whatever. Yeah. But Emmy Rossum, she actually was the inspiration for Erica, my um what well, one of the inspirations for Erica from Midnight Duet, because yeah. she has been known to be very difficult to work with, that she is quite the diva. She <gasps> first so she's from New York City. She trained for like opera and Broadway her whole life. Yep. Her, she performed at the Met when she was seven. Yeah, so she, she was like a prodigy. Like Part time because yeah. she was just on stage constantly. Yeah, no, she's like a musical genius, but apparently she's like a total princess and like a huge diva, really difficult to work with. <gasps> I um, didn't know that about her. Yeah, I mean, this is all this is all hearsay. I'm not here to trash any Emmy Rossum. In fact, that's why I based the whole character off of her. Is I feel like she, maybe she's misunderstood. Really. Um, yeah, she was very young when she made this movie. Originally, she, the role of Christine Daae was supposed to be played by Katie Holmes. I mean, in 2004, what? Katie Holmes was probably hot, way more hot shit than she is now. I mean, she's still hot shit, don't get me wrong. But, like, still. No, totally. But she can't sing that I know of. No, she can't sing, no. But she had started taking musical lessons. And then something happened. Maybe they decided she really couldn't sing or she just dropped out. <laughs> And yeah. then Anne Hathaway was supposed to play this role, but Anne Hathaway <gasps> was contractually obligated to make Princess Diaries 2. Thank <gasps> God for us. Thank um, God for so, us. So she had to drop out. And that's when Emmy had, like, they have been auditioning for like six months at that point. And Emmy had auditioned and they gave her the callback. And it was like at the very end of audition. So she went in full costume and like stage makeup and everything and performed in Andrew Lloyd Webber's hotel suite at 16. So there's like a lot of like, I'm obsessed. you know, questionable stuff going on because, oh. and here's like before, Andrew Lloyd Webber is known for when he first made the musical, um, yeah. he had an affair with his lead soprano, Sarah right. Brightman, and uh -huh. just like the Phantoms seduced his soprano and like they had this whole thing. <laughs> And then, like, they very publicly divorced, and, yes. like, he kind of trashed her reputation in the media, and, yeah. like, is a whole thing. Um, but then Emmy Rossum, also a much younger starlet, auditioning in his room, and she happens to look so much like his ex-wife, Sarah Brightman. So you wonder how she got this role. It's probably because oh. he had, like, a major, like, creepy old man crush on her. I mean, oh. no, again... None of this is meant to be like in a derogatory way that I say this. No. I find this completely fascinating. It all happened a long time ago. So, yeah. Well, and like, who cares how she got the role? She fucking nails it. I know. Like, I I don't I don't know that another human on this earth could pull off this role in this particular moment in the way she did. Mm -hmm. Like like the first moment you see her come on the screen, those like wide doe eyes. 
is just bananas. Oh, and she does the best job of like going back and forth between like, oh no, I couldn't possibly. I'm so innocent that I believe that the Phantom of the Opera is the angel that my father sent to watch over me. Like, (laughs) sure he is. But also, she is super into getting in his fucking swan bed. She is so wet for him. Mm -hmm. And like, and oh man, the the final, like when when they're performing Don Juan at the end, she does such a good idea of being like becoming entranced by him. And then- Oh yeah getting out of it and then playing along enough to like really fuck him over god it's it's brilliant it's beautiful that whole movie is just so horny like oh my god it's just a horn fest from start to finish absolutely i mean they did a good job of casting really hot people for that that's like really in terms of casting i wouldn't say like emmy rossum can sing so can patrick wilson he got hit uh, the guy who plays raul because he got his start on broadway yep um and patrick wilson's really Talented. Yeah, and Gerard Butler worked his face off. He like, did his best. He, he really did. He really did. Yeah, he no, worked he, at least half his face off. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> no, he. I didn't even mean for that pun to come out, and it's I apologize though. to the world. You never apologize for <laughs> that. But that was perfect, actually. <laughs> no, he worked so hard to to really do this role justice. He did. I mean, he plowed so well. Oh my god! And when he cries at the end, like oh everyone cries with him, I I, yeah. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, we have, we should just talk about it. Yeah, we should talk about it. And then I want I want the behind the scenes of what inspired what. Oh, one hundred percent midnight duet because I think yeah. I know, but like I need you to tell me. Okay. Well, I will right. say before we you know as a disclaimer, like. 90% of what I want to talk about is just from the one scene where Phantom takes her down to his lair. That's like, I have all my notes and almost all of them were from this scene. And then I have like five notes about the rest of it. So I but we swear know to God, I could talk about just that, that section for seven hours. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like there has to be a couple of dissertations about it. If not, somebody needs to get on that. Yeah. Oh, I, no, I, I mean, I wrote an entire book inspired by that scene. So there uh-huh. we go. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So we open up and it is grimy and it's old. Like it's, uh, it's, it's weird and dusty all around. Mm-hmm. And a dusty Raul is getting wheeled out of a carriage because he's going into the dilapidated um, what is it called? Opera Populaire. Yes. In Paris. The one that famously burned down, but is now still relatively intact. Still completely Just intact. A little dusty. No, all of it's still there, which is interesting because it didn't burn the hell down. It sure did, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, uh, it burned to under the foundation into the catacombs is what it did. Sure did. <laughs> but like they had really good construction back in 1870, so they we totally did. Yeah. yeah. And there's this auction that's happening and this mysterious, very elegant looking, also old old person are bidding on a papier mache music box with a monkey on it. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the significant music box, which I think is only like shown one other time and maybe twice in the movie, but we're it's, meant to believe this is like really important to Raoul. It's, it's really important to the world. It was op- like, here's the thing. Raoul is almost the villain of this film. 
oh he is no let's be real anyone yeah yeah who says otherwise but like if nothing else his punishment was that he knew that his wife was firmly in love with another person the entire time they were married (laughs) i don't even know if it was love i just think that every time that they had sex she was thinking about the phantom and you know that's almost worse that i mean but either is fair you know what i mean yeah yeah, 100%. And, and what I love about it is that even though he is the villain of this film, by the end, he completely redeems himself with the gift he lays at her grave because he understands her. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Wow. What a romantic. I mean, honestly, honestly, it's a lot sadder in the context of like, if you think about Love Never Dies, the sequel being canon, that she did like go back to the phantom and he's just like oh my christine i knew her for a few weeks as an adult and then like a few weeks as when we were children and that's basically it (laughs) oh my god oh my god yeah okay so he wins that monkey because the the lady who we find out is madame jerry she lets him have it she's like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be cool about this you can have it and then the he says oh the last item is the famous chandelier in pieces he says item number 666 because again we're not subtle we're not subtle and my six-year-old caught on to this and we're not even religious like he was like 666 and i was like yeah oh and it's like it's the (laughs) it's the chandelier that did burn the whole thing down and they've put it back together and they've wired it for the new electricity that's going around now. And they're going to give a presentation of how good that chandelier is. And so they pull it up and I, my kids, I've got my arms around both my kids. And I said, okay, are you ready? Are you ready? And then, oh, it's so good. <laughs> so good. Oh my God. Like that is just like the most dramatic, like glam rock song ever. I mean, it's definitely <gasps> one of my top 10 faves, but then like the dramatic, I love the opening where they're just like, goes back in time from like the chandelier, dust the, off, the and wind, then, yeah. All oh. the dust blows away and suddenly the opera house is back in its prime and the seats are a, are a crimson that just gets into your bones and the, the gold nipples everywhere of oh, all, so those, all those angels in flight. Oh God, I can't even... The, yeah, the angel, angel and devil like uh, symbolism throughout this movie, they do they do not let it up. It is consistent. It is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it is just bash you in the face all the yes. time. And I love it. I love, I love it. it. I love and it. can we talk about this chandelier for a second? This chandelier was made by Swarovski for the yes. film. $1.3 million is how much they spent on that chandelier. And I, had, through all my internet research, have not found what they did with the chandelier. Like, the I don't know where it chandelier? is. Because they made that one, and then they made, like, a stunt double chandelier. For- <laughs> <laughs> but, like, who has the chandelier? Does Swarovski, like, have it somewhere? Or is it, like, in storage? Who has this really expensive chandelier? Holy shit! But because they made this movie, they got, like, all this placement. So there's a scene later on in, like, yeah. one of Raul's, like, current times where it's in black and white where you just see, so, like, a Swarovski shop window. Yes. And that was, like, their placement. Serious product placement. Again, not subtle. Not subtle. <laughs> they also did, Swarovski did all of the, um, incre- like, the, in the scene, the, the, the scene, the, all the yeah, diamonds yeah. crested into her outfit. And then they did her mm-hmm. wedding ring as well. 
Interesting. I love that. Oh, yes. my God. Yeah. You know what else is not subtle and hates subtlety? A Swarovski. Fuck no. Like, yeah. <laughs> like so, so many things had to come together to make this perfection come to life. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, can we encrust it in crystals? If we can, it's, ha- it's happening. It has to be. It can be they, no other way. They had an $80 million budget for this movie. <laughs> like, I didn't know that. They're just throwing money at this pla- at the place. Like, it had to have lost a lot of money because I know it didn't do very well. But I'm so glad for every penny spent. I, I, I don't know. It did enough in my heart. You know what I mean? Oh, God. Okay, so now we're back in 1870, Paris. And there are new owners of the Opera House. And they are junk dealers. Ahem. Scrap metalers. Thank you. Yeah, they're literally trash. It's like the least subtle thing in the world. I absolutely love it. (laughs) They're literally trash. Oh, it's so good. All right, so then they're they're going in to, to meet everybody in the Opera House. This opera house is roughly the size of the Coliseum mm-hmm. um, when you take a tour via not drone, because I don't think they had drones in 2004. <laughs> in the olden times. <laughs> Truly. 2004. Yeah, but like they, get, they have those shots going through like the, the downstairs portion, the backstage portion of the opera house. And then it goes on the front and like everybody's all, everybody's in the the garish costumes and they all have hats that are at least four feet tall Mm -hmm. and oh god it just the makeup on its own is ridiculous it's incredible and my my four-year-old was like why they look like that (laughs) (laughs) i mean again valid question that's like well sweetie they're traditional opera stars and so that's how they have to look this is theater okay this is theater yeah this is this is stage makeup to the extreme and we love it and we need more of it oh yeah honestly i think it did a really nice job of like kind of expressing the vibe of like being backstage in a theater production because anyone who's ever been on stage you know that's kind of like the really convivial like we're all a family here half the cast is drunk which is also pretty accurate yes and like the the really like over the top makeup and you know it just reeks of bo back there oh my god it smells so bad everything yeah a feet yeah because those those costumes can't really be laundered as in now in now times let alone in 1870 <laughs> and like all the dancers you know they're just like they're nasty gross ass like you know bloody crusty feet as they're crammed to their i was in Absolutely. the nutcracker every year in high school and it was basically just stinky feet and bo mm. i mean just the so lights alone the lights alone oh, yeah. for 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 being on stage and then you think about 1870 that's literal fire on the front of that stage like (laughs) it's amazing it's amazing and it captured like the frenetic energy of a production that's about to start you know like the the dress rehearsal days it's just oh it's incredible the uh, the energy of this opening scene is just amazing and because i had brand new eyes with me I saw a detail that I had never seen before because as they're on stage introducing everybody to the new owners and the brand new patron of the opera, the Viscount Shams, I don't remember his name. Shang-Yi um, or whatever. Shang-Yi, yeah. <laughs> That's Raoul. 
there's this elephant that's on stage and it does turn around so that you can see like the mechanics in it. And my my son, the six-year-old goes, goes, oh, there's drinking beer. And I was like, what? <laughs> who? What are you talking about? And he was like, the guys, the guys who are in that elephant's butt. They were just drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, was, that's pretty great. I, and I can't remember now because like the guy, like those guys in charge of the stage lighting, he's not there when the thing falls on Carlotta later. And right. I'm trying to remember if he was the guy who was drunk in the elephant or if it was somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it was somebody else, but it could have definitely been him. That poor man. Yeah, because that would be clever if it was like, oh, that explains where he was. Because where was he, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Monsieur Bouquet or something. <laughs> Bouquet. <Yeah. laughs> yes. I love Madame Giry. Like, oh, my God. If She's I could great. Madame Giry, I would be. That's okay. amazing. Yeah. And now we get to see Queen Mini Driver. I'm on record <clears throat> on Heaving Bosoms as being completely and utterly in love with Mini Driver. Um, it did first happen to me uh, after I watched that 2000 classic film Return to Me, um, in which David Duchovny does follow around his dead wife's heart. Mm. Um, and it is just masterful. And she manages to be more brilliant here. I mean, yeah, she's actually plays a like she really camped it up. She's the only actor in this <sighs> movie who didn't sing her own lines. She had an actual opera singer dub over yes. for her. And yes. she actually can sing. She's just not trained in opera. So I think she that sings was the right the call. Song. Yeah. Like she's not a bad singer, which no, is makes me wonder why they didn't dub over Gerard Butler's stuff. But that's a whole nother conversation. Because he tried. Interesting. Well, I don't know that the Phantom needs to be a good singer. Like, That's I don't think point. he should be an opera singer. Like, like the guy, like Monsieur Piangi or whatever he is. Yeah. Like, I don't think he should be. I think he should be a weird, a weird genius weirdo who lives in a catacombs and rides around in a boat most of the time. You know, you make some really good points there. Like <laughs> make some very good points there. <laughs> I mean, and they did their best. I do think they actually lowered some of the notes so that it was yes. easier for him to hit. They did. But having heard Antonio Banderas do his version, because he was also in the role for th the Phantom, or in the running for the role. Originally, it was really? going to be John Travolta. Oh, fuck so, everything. That would yeah. have been... No, that would have been a catastrophe. Ah. But then Antonio Banderas actually would do a really good job. And there is, they did like a charity concert where he did sing the Phantom's <gasps> part. And it is, he is like spot on and he makes it I very mean, sexy. Yeah. So I highly recommend everybody listening to this needs to go on after this and watch Antonio Banderas and Sarah Brightman doing their, their uh, version of that song. Oh, wow. We get a Sarah Brightman too. Yeah, Ooh! no, it's, it's really good. Okay. I'm going to try to find it and link it in the show notes. Because I just want to make it easy for you, listener. You know, just treat yourself to whatever I put in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to Mini Driver being a stone cold babe and just doing, just absolutely nailing this diva role. Lock just Carlotta, over the top. Bring my doggy. Bring my boxy. <laughs> She's so good. <laughs> if my diva commands, yes, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so obviously, so in Midnight Duet, there is a character named Carla who plays Erica's understudy. And yeah. that is obviously an homage to this movie or to Carlota from Phantom of the Opera. 
But I just had the roles reversed where Erica is the diva and is like kind of a bitch to everyone. And then poor Carla is like the sweet, innocent, like, oh my God, how could you sleep with my boyfriend? (laughs) Because she's the phantom. Yeah. And Erica's like, I didn't know. She's like, well, I did know, but I was drunk. And she's also like, who cares? Your boyfriend sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Incredible. So, so as all this is happening, right? The guys, the new owners are being just lecherous old dudes. And they're like, look at all the dancers. Oh, yeah. And Christine Daae and Meg Giry come up on stage and they see the patron for the first time, Raoul. And Christine goes, Raoul. And she's got those doe eyes on her face. That's just ridiculous. And she's like, we knew each other as children. You might call us childhood sweethearts. And... He called me Little Lottie. Oh, he wouldn't he wouldn't know me these days though. Oh, I'm just a I'm just a just a little a little ballet dancing ingenue. It's okay. Oh it's yeah, so I know. And also I don't understand why he calls her little Lottie, because it's her name's Christine. Right. Doesn't make that much sense. And she's like, yes, and like she the way she tells the story, she's like the house by the sea. And there's like not a lot of information. There's one, I looked this up and there's one remake where they explain that she was like, she and her father were servants in Raoul's house. But then I don't think that's the backstory they used for this movie because later in the movie, when she's talking with Meg and explaining, she's like, or with Raoul, she's like, oh yeah, yeah, we used to read each other's stories in the attic while my father played us violin. Right. Well, not to mention that that, like, like that mausoleum was not a servant's grave. Uh, for sure. <laughs> no, no. So it's still, it's still, I don't think it's really clear why, and maybe this is clear in the book, which I actually haven't read the original book, why she and Raul even grew up together, why they're yeah. friends. So. Yeah. Again, yeah. we don't need to know. No, we absolutely don't. Oh, it's so good. So Carlotta throws a fit because he's spending more time, they're spending more time looking at the dancers' asses than they are paying respect to her brilliance. And she throws a fit and she leaves because after they, like, get her back on side, there is a tragic accident at the hands of some mysterious black leather gloves. Mm, love those black leather gloves. Oh, 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 those, le- oh those gloves are a lot. They're so good. I know, yeah. I was like, mm, new fetish unlocked. I still have yet to work. <laughs> Black leather gloves into a scene, but that just, I'm going to make a note actually that reminds yeah, me. Yeah, no worries. Control save that one, right? Black <laughs> leather gloves. <laughs> it's good stuff. It truly That'll be another, is. another bonus scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the black leather gloves, the ghost of the opera, makes this thing fall on her. And boy, does she not at all almost die. But you wouldn't know that by her reaction. So she bring my boxy, bring my doggy. She leaves. I'm really leaving this time. Oh, she's gone, mini driver. Oh, I love to watch you walk away. And now they're like, we're fucked. We've got a full house. We don't have anybody to sing. And Madame Jury goes, Christine Daae can sing it. And I was like, oh, Madame Jury. Like, I love both Madame Jury and Meg because I think it would be really easy to make Meg like a really jealous, loving sort of, you know, sisterly role. And both of them are just like, no, you're actually you're actually part of our family. We want the best for you, no matter what it means to everyone else. And it's just it's lovely. And so she has to sing the aria. Christine has to 
sing the aria in front of everyone. And they're like, don't be nervous. You can do it. Madame Jury says she's had a really good teacher. And they're like, who is this famous teacher? And she goes, I don't know his name, sir. (laughs) I mean, I just love that Madame Jury is like, really, she's got the Phantom's back. Like, she's 100% Team Phantom. She is just like, look, I found you this hot lady. She can sing. She can make her your protege. I don't know why she didn't offer her own daughter, but maybe she just sensed that Meg didn't have the talent. And was like, Meg, you're really best as, like, a supporting character. And I think that's really good that she recognized that, you know, set her daughter up for success. I mean, I think think there has to be a component to where, um, like, somebody found this sexy lady for him when she was around nine. Uh, (laughs) It should probably be. (laughs) This was 1870. It was done back then. Correct. Yeah. And they'd never, they never met or like anything. (laughs) Like she thought he was an angel the whole time props. It's fine. It's fine. So she nails this aria and in the middle of the song, it goes from like behind the scenes. We're just players in this opera house to (gasps) it's her first time on stage and this bitch is covered in Swarovski crystals. Covered. <laughs> and that is a replica gown of this like Austrian queen or something. Like the two, like the letter because Andrew Lloyd Webber collects paintings from that era. And of so it's like a replica of this paintings gown from this Austrian queen. Oh my God. And, and like, like the phantom designed it. We find out later. <laughs> He designed it with his dollhouse. Listen, he has a method and he really works it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, like this man is born to be like a theater director. Like that is his passion and he's good at it. Like it was a fantastic design. It works really well. I don't know how it plays into the role of Hannibal, which is an opera that doesn't actually exist, but somehow went from like Carlotta's like over the top, somewhat thematic, like, pseudo roman costume to this uh-huh. like all white all white austrian ball gown but don't worry about it all white angel ball gown angel austrian ball gown that's exactly. why it works because she yeah. is an angel and she was trained by the angel of music everyone oh my god so when she's on stage raul who is sitting in the phantom's box i will have everyone know so fucking rude disrespectful the fucking clackers on this guy that he thinks he can swing his balls around and sit in the <laughs> phantom. He could just show up here in his leather trench coat, standing up, driving his own carriage, like some playboy, oh some rich God. fucking playboy who just feels like investing in the theater. We do love contributing. We support all of the arts, but especially the this theater. Mm, mm. Most definitely. I'm going to sit specifically in the box that I was told not to because I'm rich and I can do whatever I want. Because I own this place, Raul says. Well, and like, I'm so glad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing up that detail because I had forgotten that he did that. And as I'm sitting on the couch with my kids, I literally go, Raul, there's a seat on that carrot. Like, there's a sit down. What are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's literally like some guy pulling up in a Corvette and you're like standing up in your Corvette. Like, what Truly. the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Truly. Get out of that curricle sunroof, Raul. Okay? Get yes. out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But 1870 equivalent. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, can it be? Can it be Christine? And I goes down and she's in her she's in her dressing room because they did 
completely redo Carlotta's dressing room and they got rid of all of her garish paintings. We find out later on, I had never noticed this before either, but in Carlotta's dressing room, the painting of her is a painting of her holding a, a Andrew man's Lloyd head. Webber. Yes, it's Andrew Lloyd Webber's head. Is it really? Yes. <gasps> yes. <gasps> ah! There's so many layers to this. Holy and actually, shit. in one of the last scenes that we get to see of the dressing room, we do see behind a screen, there is, like, another, like, a, a little, like, um, marquee of Carlotta that got, like, covered up by the screen. Like, they, like, very hastily oh, yeah. just, like, tried to do it. Yeah. So, actually, I think in terms of set design, there were a lot of, like, really nuanced things that the set designers did. Like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's oh, another yeah. one that comes up later where we're in the Phantom's area, like, cave, and you see that he has all these Greek statue heads, but they all have phantom masks they, on. They all have masks on them. Yo. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. So good. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, we joke about things being just like, you know, vibes and whatever, but a metric fuck ton of detail has to go into something in order to achieve a vibe. Like yes. that's like we, we, I don't know. I, sometimes I get a little, sometimes I get a little annoyed about this because I think that especially like women and a lot of romance writers in particular do this. And it, it almost sounds like they're discounting all of the work they put in to like write a book or do whatever. But like, to make a vibe, you have to work really fucking hard at it and then make it look seamless and easy. And, yeah. like, you know, it's so, all about the detail and you have to like be consistent in your motif or it just doesn't feel it's like the vibe breaks. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You have that like that. How I met your mother glass shatter moment and then it's over. Vibe gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Raul comes into her um, dressing room and he's like. Oh my gosh, little Lottie. And they start doing this weird, creepy ass story at each other. He's like, little Lottie did love petting her lamb. I don't know what he says. Do you know what he says? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's something like, oh, no, I don't even remember. Is that when he's like, oh, yeah, the violin, blah, blah, blah. Or yeah, they're talking about violin. They're like they're like recapping their childhood for us so that we can understand where the connection really lies. A picnics in the attic, reading to each other dark stories of the North. Like, it's just really, I'm like, is this seven-year-old material? It's, so it's like good. a little too horny for how oh, old right? you guys sensibly were. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but also fine. That's fine with me. It works. <laughs> yeah, it works. But they then this is how we know Raul is the villain is he's like, hey, we're going to dinner, bitch. And she's like, I can't, yeah. like, my, my teacher's, this angel is really strict. Like, you know how like, angels are, right? You've got a woman mouth on you, and you need to shut your woman mouth. Yeah. And I'll have the carriage waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah. He's Ugh. like, go change. And I'm just like, oh, you little, you little shit shyster. Yeah. Yeah. You. And, like, that is also consistent. Love him. Mm -hmm. Love Raul. But, like, wow, that's super consistent. Probably yeah. until she died. Anyway. So, all right. So then Angel of Music happens. That song mm -hmm. is next. Think of Me was just now. Now we've got Angel of Music happening because all of the, all of the candles go out in her room. And 
It's a big mystery. And then we see a black gloved hand, those black leather gloves, I'm telling you right now, locks the door to her dressing room from the outside. And then we see that Madame Giry watched the whole thing go down. And And she's like, hell yeah. She's the best phantom wingman that has ever existed in the history of the world. I like to believe she's the one who tipped the phantom off and was like, yo, your girl is about to leave with this fuck boy up here. You gonna do something about this? He's like, hell yeah, I'm gonna do something about this. I'm gonna lock her in her dressing room. Absolutely. High five. Now let's go. (laughs) Like They are such bros. It makes me so happy. It almost makes me wonder whether they're like, why there wasn't a romance between Madame Jury and the Phantom, who are ostensibly the same age, because in their flashback that they decide to add for this movie, she rescues him as a child. But now her daughter is the same age as Christine. So... Well, I, know, I do wonder. I do wonder if there was like a small, small interlude, and now they're just like friends after being yeah. friends who boned. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. he hasn't boned before. He tells us that at the end. Fuck. Anyway, that's true. Yeah. yeah. He says it out loud. Maybe the canon is that Madame Jury is not into men. I've I decided love that canon. Oh, I love that. Like canon. she's kind of got some. She's kind of got some queer vibes. Like I can see it. Like no, she absolutely the, does. The long side braid. Yeah, that's gay as hell. Oh, oh, so good. And just like, yeah. <laughs> just like the the self confidence she's got on her. Mm-hmm. It's just like my identity is what it is, and you can fuck off. Oh, it's great. Story. Yeah. Okay, but now. Angel of Music is still happening, everybody. And then we find out that he says, he says, look at you, look at your face in the mirror. I am there inside. And then we get like this dream sequence happening almost because she's fucking mesmerized by him. Yeah. And the thing is like, this isn't actually a dream sequence because she really does disappear. So this is really happening. He's using magic. Although I think in the book, it's like, oh, well, he actually has all these um stage tricks and like yes. engineering skills so it's not yeah. really magic but in the movie they make you believe it's magic well i mean but madame jerry says that he's a genius engineer he's a genius designer he's a genius magician like it is magic but it's stage magic you know what i right, mean right right i mean the one he's question just so like, fucking good at it he's got a competence boner a mile long and oh so i know you think it's real magic <laughs> he's using technology from like 2004 back in 1870 that's how good he is <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah this scene oh this uh, that's when we launch into like the phantom of the opera the, oh, the song that we're known God. for so good. No, no. Okay, I have to tell you a quick story about this because yeah. um, this was made in 2004. I thought it came out in like 2005 or something, or like, you know, right in there. Yeah. I was either a junior or a senior in high school. And I went on, uh, I decided to like go with with a bunch of people to go see this movie in theater, okay? So I went with a person who is still one of the nicest, kindest, sweetest humans that has ever graced the face of the planet. Her name is Vicki Lawrence and her, a bunch of her like church friends. So there was Vicki, my friend, and then a bunch of people she knew, but I didn't know. And so we're in there 
And we're sitting, like a bunch of people are sitting a few seats away from me. And then the bow, no, 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 no happens. And just like those cords are coming on and the fucking, ugh, the the goddamn um, organ music and just, bah. and one of these bitches starts giggling as if this is hilarious. And How like, dare? Don't get me wrong. There is a lot about this movie is that's hilarious. But that in particular, like, I almost fought a girl. <laughs> yeah. She, she was yeah, making she, fun. I would be like, burying her outside the theater. I'd be like, how dare you? This is, this is iconic. This is legendary. This is so extra. It's awesome. This is fucking sacred. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the most badass thing that's ever happened on Broadway ever. Bar Honestly. none. Honestly. And she was just like, oh my God, it's so 80s. And I was like, I don't even oh, know if yeah, that's. yeah, it is. <sighs> that's one of the things that makes it amazing. That's oh my exact, god! It's a compliment. Like, and Vicky wouldn't have even been able to hold me back because she was such a sweet, like, angel of a human that she wouldn't even know what had come over me. You know? Yeah, she was your angel of music. I well, yeah, basically, yeah. She was. <laughs> she's the ingenue, but like that doesn't get tempted by the phantom. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. She did get fan- tempted by Jesus, though. Very Jesus. Anyway. Yeah. So I did almost come to fisticuffs in a movie theater when I was around 17 over this movie, and I regret nothing. Yeah, no, that's actually very valid. Before we do get deep into the mirrors and the fog and everything, I do want to highlight one of my favorite lines in this movie is when the Phantom is like talking smack about Raul, and he's like, you insolent boy, you slave of fashion. (laughs) (laughs) The slave of fashion. It's coming from the guy with like 20 capes in his closet and nothing else. So, yeah. But it's kind of true because Raul really does dress like a total twat. Like, it's, again, the leather trench coat does come back later and it is so obnoxious. He looks like he looks like a guy who just like finished backpacking around Europe and picked up a little bit, a few things here and there from like oh, his yeah, travels to like, Italy. I just picked this up in Prague. It's fine. Yeah. It's no big deal. I also it's got a taste for coffee there. there. Yeah. Fuck up, Raul. And cigarettes. <laughs> like, and he like oh thinks he's God. so hot he's got his fucking like hair flip like he's a desperate housewife yes he does and he's got that deep side part yeah like, i mean and patrick wilson is hot and like hot. they're in a way like i would still fuck him in this movie definitely but like kind of in like a i disrespect you kind of fucking way or like i'm gonna yeah. teach you a lesson and yeah. you need to take off that trench coat yeah i will absolutely sit on your face Raul. yeah 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 and then smother you with Maybe my thighs. Tiny bit, tiny bit, a little bit of a smothering, and then yeah. uh, we'll get we'll get to other stuff. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Insolent oh, boy no. needs to be taught a lesson. Oh, this slave basking in my glory. <laughs> yeah. ah! So good. Oh my god. Okay, oh. and now because my four-year-old, ha- she's trying to figure out love. And she's really gotten into princesses. She's trying to figure out all the big things in life right now. She's trying yeah. to figure out love, death, and fashion. That's really where all of her mind That is a lifelong journey that I think we're all still going through. Absolutely. Yes. It's an evolution that never stops. Yes. But uh, right now, she... Um, I think I've talked about this in the podcast. But like at one point, she asked me if dad was my true love. And I, and I paused and then Michael goes, no, 
Like, and, and like, I agree with this. Like, we have agreed. It was my idea to be like, we're not giving them fairy tales about all this bullshit. We're going to be real with them from day one. Like, it's, a you know, you choose to love someone and stick with it or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I got so fucking mad at him when he had the audacity to say out loud that I wasn't his true love. (laughs) Valid. That is like, you know. Wow. That's horrible. Man, you You gotta like you gotta you gotta sell it. You gotta sell it. You know, there's certain moments where you just have to say the thing. It's like, would you love me if I was still a worm? Yes. You just say yes. You don't need to go into the philosophical background. Yeah. If your kids ask, is she the one? Yes, she is. It is also a lot of work. (laughs) It also yeah, absolutely. And I think he would have he would have said yes if I was the one, but he was so funny and so cute because he was really confused as to why I was so mad at him. And like he came up later and he was like, Hey, uh, I I thought I thought we were doing that thing where we don't lie to her about love and stuff. And I was like, Yes, we are. Okay, we are. And he was like, I do love you, though. And I was like, I know. Sweet summer child. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cute. Anyway, I only say this because at this moment when Raul goes and he's like, Christine, Christine, what's, who's that voice? And he's, he's doing the, he's trying to unlock the door and he can't. She, like, she just looks at me with her big old eyes and she goes, (laughs) I wrote it down. Why can't her true love can't get in? can get in he's coming in through the mirror yeah because his romantic rival did lock that door and we love it yeah. <laughs> we're here for it why tent her true love tent get in <laughs> it made me so happy okay so now we're we're in the iconic song and we're going we're finding out that there is another coliseum below the opera and there's tunnels and there are there are 17 yeah. stories of spiral stone staircases. Yes. There's she is only... like literally descending into hell. So it's like a Persephone yes. and Hades like um, allegory here. Yes. And it, they actually did use. So the scene where she's going down with the candelabras, that was a reference to Beauty and the Beast, which is yes. also referenced again in with the swan bed. Because in yes. the 1946 Beauty, La Belle et la Bette, they have the same swan bed that was like popularized by Mae West. Uh, but yeah, so Andrew Lloyd Webber, like on is can- like it's canon that he loves Beauty and the Beast. This is like definitely very inspired by it. Yeah. And uh, so that Listen, scene was an homage to Beauty and the Beast. But then yeah. I use that scene in Midnight Duet where Erica is actually leading Kristoff and the band down this hallway and he like runs into one of the sconces. Yes. So, and then. And there's like in the movie, there's these, they cut to like two rats for some reason later when Meg is coming down the hallway uh-huh. and the two rats inspired John and Javert, who are Erica's rats in the book. <laughs> so it's just like, it's like not even, there isn't any other further meaning to it. I was just like, oh, there's some rats here. I'm going to put those in my book. I love, yeah, I love a rat. Oh my God. I love, uh, I love an unexpected pet. <laughs> it makes me so yeah. happy. <laughs> well, then the rat the rats are like a metaphor because you know they have a bad reputation, but once you get yeah. to know them, you realize they're like very loving social creatures, and which really is smart. how Erica yeah, which is how Erica sees herself. Like she finds like kinship with the rat because she also has a bad reputation, but you know, misunderstood. Absolutely misunderstood. It just needs a good dickin', you know yeah. what I mean? 
good but glam I read con- rock I read con all of that. It was really just inspired by seeing these rats in the hallway. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. So and then, okay, as- so the other thing is, like, oh, sorry. As she's no, no, going please. down to, like, each level, I yeah. do want to note that each time, something about her costume gets sluttier. So, she, like, the first level, she loses the, the overcoat, like, the, uh-huh. the bathrobe. The next one, like she gets the corset gets tighter and then she gets eyeshadow in the next one. And then her hair gets bigger. Like it just literally grows to like twice the size, like oh, 80s style. Brilliant. And then the Swarovski crystals come out, the thigh high slit in the skirt. The, and by that the time slit. Yes. With oh, the, with the, the Swarovski encrusted stockings, the thigh high stockings. And then by the time she's in the boat, she is just like fully disrobed. And she also has an extra cape now hanging off the back that wasn't yes. there before. Yeah. So it was just great how it was like each one just a little bit sluttier. And oh my God. And her boobs are out. It is so good. Okay. So when they get to the point where that they, they get in a boat, I, um, okay. And so, I mean, similar to how I do on the podcast, a lot of times I just shout things out when I watch things and nothing can stop me. Wild horses couldn't. And my husband's always like, we should be filming this and like, do we, you know, we should be putting this on like reaction videos or whatever. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. It doesn't matter. And as this is happening, I said, oh, we're going from horse to boat kids. (laughs) And then there's a beat, and then I said, he's doing a gondola on her. Oh, man. <laughs> and Michael just snorts from the other room, and he goes, what's doing a gondola on her? <laughs> and, he, and then he pauses, and he goes, do you want me to do a gondola on you later? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Who doesn't want to have a gondola done on them? <laughs> I said, maybe. And he goes, oh, boy, you better Google that and maybe stretch before. <laughs> <laughs> The, the gondola that has a like a gold skull imprinted on the front because that's like his calling card so he's got like the skull that wax like seals all the wax notes yep. that he sends to everyone and then the like the skull same skull of his sword mm-hmm. yeah see that's what we're talking about with motif is like yes. these did not they didn't just like randomly throw gothic things together they were like his symbols are the skull and a swan because the swan is also represented in like the candelabras and like yep. also on the boat a little bit there's the wings absolutely uh, yeah and also that horse that horse is not in the stage production it is only in the book that horse is named caesar and i think everybody should know about caesar whose only role in this movie is to walk christine from the ramp down to the boat but nice. he's been tied up there this whole time, <laughs> waiting to serve this one purpose. Oh, Caesar, you did well. Did. You executed your duties with perfection. And unlike Balthazar in the Christmas movie, That's I right. do believe that the Phantom feeds Caesar. Oh, that horse is so well fed. That coat yeah. was glistening because he was getting every nutrient he needed. I believe it's like a witcher situation where like he doesn't have anyone else to talk to. And so he and Caesar are like best friends. Oh, I love that. In my head canon. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. Yeah. And so as music of the night is happening, because we transition to music of the night. And so I'm trying to explain to the kids. I was like, I was like, see how she's in all white and he's in all black. This is what we call the Hades and Persephone trope. And yeah. then from the kitchen, my husband shouts, like Bowser and Peach. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Kind of. I mean, later she wears that like pink dress that is very Princess Peach. Yeah, 
like Bowser mm. and Peach. Oh my god, he's so sexy. I don't even know. Oh god, yeah. All right, now, <laughs> now again, another kink unlocked. I'm so excited. We're discovering so many on the show. Um, That's what I'm here for. Yeah, but yeah, no, she is so into this the whole time. Like, music of the night is like canon, the seduction song. Like, this is yes. like. I mean, the lines are so not like subtle. Where he's just like give in to the music of the night. Oh yeah, oh, and. I had so many more notes too on like the the decor. There is um like he does a dramatic cloak removal for the first time here. Oh, that flourish. Oh my god. Yes. And this is where I mentioned this earlier, but he was cast specifically because of his role in Dracula 2000. They're like, yeah, we know we can't sing, but Joel Schumacher saw him in Dracula 2000. I was like, that is the vibe that I want for the Phantom. And I feel like in this scene, he is really giving Dracula oh, 2000 yeah. energy. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, he absolutely is. But like this part where he's like, let your dark or let your darker side in give in to yeah. the music of the night. That was kind of like the whole vibe between before, like with Midnight Duet that I was going for. That energy of just like Erica, the Phantom, yeah. trying to yeah, seduce yeah. seduce Kristoff and be like, yeah, just give in, be bad, like cool. have a good time with it. Come be so, bad with me. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh. And um, the Alexander Byrne who did the costume. Also did the costumes for Emma, but Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor, Love and Thunder. So, <gasps> or not Love and Thunder, she, the other ones. So, Ragnarok? So she, yeah, so she knows how to go extra and above and beyond. Like, she is really an icon. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, shit, she nails it every time. <laughs> yes, yes. So those are my notes. I was like, I have so much to say about this. But yes, the seduction, seduction scene, she is so into it. It. like she from up until the point where she sees the creepy wax statue of herself <laughs> she is just like lip parted lip gloss on 100 oh, like, yeah. plump, plumping lip gloss so she's just like oh my gosh like the heavy <sighs> chest breathing with the bosom oh, absolutely the heaving oh, yeah. bosom if you will her tatas are out and proud proud oh, and glittering God. glittering but the, beneath the light of all those candelabras and swarovskis <sighs> like yeah like i get chills just thinking about it yeah, oh my like God. she's she's not even hesitating. She's not even like I don't know if I should. She's just one hundred percent down DTF. And Absolutely. then she sees the the wax thing of herself, which they had originally made a wax doll. It looked like shit, so they made her. They put wax makeup on her and made her just stand still <laughs> to play the, her own wax doll. Wait, wait. They didn't. They didn't make a mold of her and then a wax statue. They just put wax on her and yeah. took those shots. Yeah, because they tried to do a Madame Tussauds thing, and then when they yeah. put the eyeballs on, it looked fucking creepy. It was just, like, not working. <laughs> and so they're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put wax on you, and you just need to stay really still. And you can actually still see her breathing if you look closely. I had no idea. That's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty great. Oh, my God. When that happens, so he's, like, showing her around, being like, this is your kingdom now. Everything that is mine is yours, basically. Like, just give in to your darkness. And then he walks her over and, and takes a curtain off, and then she sees herself as a wax statue with a wedding veil on. She does immediately faint, and then my daughter goes, why she fall down? Sweetie, <laughs> 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 he crossed the line. He was just creepy <laughs> enough that she was turned on, and then this got a little too creepy. That's exactly what I said. Basically, I was like, "Well, he did just pull out a, a wax figure of her, and that's yeah. um, that's crossing a line." <laughs> we found we found the line. Everything else up until this point, 
okay. But the last, and then that is weird. It is weird. It's not really explained why he does that when he obviously has Caesar for company and Madame Jury as his other friend. So like, Absolutely. why? Absolutely. I mean, honestly, the Phantom is like the the queen of manifestation really true like all he does is manifest down in his catacombs and so mm. part of that is putting a bitch in a wedding veil and being like it's gonna happen <laughs> she's gonna right? ask my d someday exactly yeah like, and in the sequel i mean she does right she super but does it happens to be in coney island instead of paris oh my God. Can so you, will you please come on patreon and recap the sequel with me Oh yeah, I actually have not seen the sequel. I haven't, I haven't been able to either. bring myself to I watch it. Either. <laughs> but I know I need to. I know I need to put myself through it. Apparently, I haven't some allowed of the songs myself... are actually bangers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I haven't allowed al- like allowed myself to know that the sequel exists. You know what I mean? Like I've just put that wall up, and I was like, eh, it just didn't happen. But the only person I think I would a break that rule for and b want to experience that with is you. So yeah. no, I think I can do that honor. No, I think I can spin it. I can spin it. We can find the the Swarovski crystals in the the catacombs of this yeah, movie. We will. We absolutely will. Or you know the <laughs> the wooden roller coasters of Coney Island. <laughs> Oh my god like even compared to when this was written coney island has gotten like even grimier and yes. it's like even less of a sexy destination for no you know what the only thing coney island is good for is the annual mermaid parade oh that's um, incredible and that's it that's all there you go congratulations mermaid parade you did it yeah <laughs> okay so she faints and he puts her in that iconic swan bed Yes. And then he does he does do a sweet little tuck in on her. He does pull that lever and the black gauze comes down around it. Yes. <laughs> He's he shrouding has, her in black lace. He has an automatic curtain that goes down on his swan bed. <laughs> and I'm obsessed of course. with it. <laughs> I mean, I theoretically he's using the same stage check that he would use to like lower and raise the curtains. Yeah. In a yeah. theater, you know, he's just Absolutely. taking it to the next level. Yeah. No, he's a fucking genius and he's not going to waste that on other people. Like, no, he's definitely going to use it for himself. I don't think he sleeps in too. that bed. I think he has saved that bed for her. Uh, uh, yeah. No, absolutely. Actually, yes. I think yeah. that's true. Yeah. Like, I think, I think he's been having wet dreams about sleeping in it with her for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a gentleman. He just kind of is like, you know what? You're unconscious. You're unconscious right now, lady. Like, why don't I'll you have a little nappies? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to be at my organ, chilling. Yep. Waiting Composing for you to wake up. angsty songs, uh, as one does. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. Is this when um, Little Jury finds the tunnel and Madame yes. Jury is like, get out of there. <laughs> this yeah. is not for you. Well, that's why I questioned whether or not there was magic. Because, like, the tunnel's all lit and has, like, the moving candelabras. But when she goes down it, there's, like, all the cobwebs. So I'm like, is that magic that made... But no, I guess they were just all mechanical. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing is, right, is that I can... I have never been able to decide whether it's all mechanical or if, because he has been grooming her from afar since she was nine like if all of that 
charming stuff is really in Christine's head because she's been working herself up to like meet the angel for the first time. And we're just seeing it from her perspective. Because mm-hmm. like in um in the mirror part of uh, Angel of Music, she is like you she's still singing. But when you watch her walk to the mirror in slow motion, she, it's just her face, like, mesmerized by him. Oh, yeah. So and there I might be a little bit of, like, delusion going on. Or yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely. Because or he, like, she's so taken by him. Yeah. Maybe or that fog has, like, fog has, like, a little bit of, like, special psychoactive chemical to it. Because he does, like, replace... Later, when he replaces Minnie Driver or Carlotta's like perfume, like throat perfume, with something else, so he, I think he has um, like a, a talent with potions. He's a chemist, and, yeah, yeah. So he can do that and like probably put some like you know, it's basically like last like happy gas or whatever. She's Ooh, just tri- like she's that. tripping balls when she's going oh down my there. God. I it's love like wow, it. all these moving candelabras. He's like, yeah, sure. Anyway, yeah, she's man. Going. Great. She's like, what of an amazing horse? He's like, okay, there's no I did horse that for here. You. This yeah. is Caesar. <laughs> yeah but i do like so in the very like in the opening scene where they're like oh this is the mystery of the phantom of the opera that's never fully explained yeah. i like that because it's almost very meta that like some things just aren't explained and we have right. to be okay with that from the opening right. and right. so when i wrote midnight duet like they're you know not to spoil things for everyone but it does follow the plot of phantom of the opera so there is a big fire at the end and at the Afterwards, they mentioned that they never did find the source of the fire, that it was like a mystery that had never really been solved because, A, I didn't want to have to, I didn't want to tell the reader what happened because then I would have to explain it. But I liked (laughs) leaving it like, you know, open-ended and being like, is this just from poor theater maintenance or was this like, you know, something sinister? And I think that's, I think Phantom of the Opera can be interpreted in a lot of ways too. Like, is he magical? Is he a creep? Or is he just like a genius? We don't know. However you want it. Yeah. However you want to read this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I read it in different ways depending on my mood. (laughs) Yeah. Or how horny I am. You know, it's also true. When was the last time I got laid? Mm. Yeah. Cause sometimes (laughs) I'm like, you know what? Maybe I would like a guy to have a full to scale wax statue of me in his bedroom. I mean, at least he's interested sounds like he'll bring me coffee like yeah if he'll do that <laughs> yeah let's talk about devotion yeah is it obsession or is it just true love as my yeah. world would say <laughs> that was tough though in this watching because i am fully team phantom no matter how toxic he is but i was trying to like impart healthy um teachings on to my kids <laughs> So I'll I'll explain later how I spun things for them, but ugh, it was touching me yeah. for a little while. Yeah, I mean, there are some problematic things about the Phantom. I would say chief among them is the wax doll. Second is probably the murders. But, you know, everybody's got problems. Listen, like, I, I did call it um, some light murder when I yeah. talked to my kids about it. And that's a choice I made. <laughs> and I stand by it, frankly. I mean, all the murders, in a way, were kind of like karmic retribution because he does hang the one guy, yeah, who was basically trying to scare one of the dancers by pretending to hang her. So, yep. and like he's clearly a creep, so he's got it coming. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now after the phantom scene, we've got the letter song because Christine like does take a big nap, and because of that, no wait, no, does she wake up first? 
Oh, yeah, she, she wakes, wakes up, up and they have a fight. She, she like, takes the mask off of him, yeah. which is, like, kind of a shady move. Really should have asked <sighs> for his consent before she just took off his mask. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. But he, yeah. I mean, the way that Gerard Butler plays Oh, that yeah. The scene. angst. You're just like, oh, you poor baby. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, it's it's tough because on the one hand, yes, she absolutely should have asked for consent. On the other hand, he has been hypnotizing her for years and, like, has is so far deep in her brain that I feel like she's entitled to his face a little bit, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> you can pull the curtain back a little bit more. Fandom, yeah. Actually, that probably is pretty good, like, turnabout for the waxing. See, like, he revealed the wax image of her face, so... That's what Time I'm to saying. Do yours. Yeah. He didn't ask for her consent to show her that mess. Hell no. Or to make it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, you know what? I think it's legit. I approve Christine. He did the right thing. Oh but yeah, God. then he sends all the notes that are just like back to back, like like increasingly uh you know, more threatening threats. Yes. Uh, very to all of the paper. players. Yes. And we find out through the very first junk man's part that she is missing, fully missing. Nobody knows where she is, and it's a problem. And it's also something that's never really explained. She just sort of, like, pops up, and they're, like, they're so relieved to have her back and and not have to, like, shit themselves over the next night that they don't even ask her where she was or what happened or, like, any details that might be pertinent to the mystery of the opera house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Raul... So it's it's the two guys, it's Raul, and then it's Carlotta. And they all get letters that's like, you're going to do what I want you to do. You haven't paid me my incredibly exorbitant monthly, monthly stipend. Um, Carlotta is going to play the silent part. Thank you. And she's going to love it. And that's what's going to happen. Or there's going to be a big old disaster that occurs. So... You know, just make your decisions. Do you want disaster or do you want to do what my genius tells you to do? And Carlotta throws a fit and the guys are like, no, 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 no. It's you. It's always you been you. Yes, absolutely. And then we get one of my other favorite songs. Listen, every song is my favorite song. Like, I'm not apologizing for it. I'm going to say it every time. But Prima Donna happens. And I forgot that she makes them drink champagne out of her dirty shoes. Um, <gasps> I, I, f- so I forgot. Extra. <laughs> this is like, I really feel like costume design got a chance to, to really get its day in the sun because this is where they counteracted all of the gothiness of like the angel demon stuff. And they just went full pink. It was just like fluorescent. Sh- everything is shades of pink for Carlotta. Yes. That's her signature color. Her oh. little Palmerian dog. It's so good. It's amazing. Beautiful. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. And like, I love that she and the dude are a couple. Inexplicably, the two singers are a couple. That makes me so happy. Um, yeah. I, mean, I guess it's not inexplicable. At the very least, it's close proximity syndrome, you know? Yeah. They probably also have like talent boners for each other. Yeah, I think that's totally valid. Like, you have a lot in common. Like, and whom yeah. among us hasn't slept with a coworker? You just spend a lot of time together. So you have a good point. Especially when you're in a work situation that has such a fucking weird schedule. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah. it's hard to date the people who are not also theater people. Exactly. Yeah. 
So prima donna happens, first lady of the stage. Ah, I love it so much. She makes them drink champagne out of her shoe, and then she makes them ride her around on one of those, you know, carrying uh, crates. What are those called? Those old-timey... Like the palaquins? Those are the ones. Yeah. 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 She yeah. may have to ride her around backstage on one of those. I just... I'm obsessed. Just like pure, like, Mariah Carey vibes or, <laughs> yes. like, Liza, Liza Minnelli. Just, like, 100%. Like, I'm a star, and I buy it, you know? I do, and I love it. I love it. Yeah. Maybe she took lessons from Emmy Rossum herself. Mini Driver. You know what I mean? Maybe right. Maybe she took notes. And she was like, this is what I will channel for Carlotta. Oh. I just like the confidence, the energy of being 16 year old, years old and like having people never want to work with you again because you're such a terror. Oh, my God. I mean, and I love it is, that. It's such youth. You know what I mean? Youth and talent, because Leah Michelle's the same way. That Glee yeah. lady, mm-hmm. same yep. way, horrendous yep. to work with. It's like I am hot shit, and you can all bow at my feet. Absolutely, and she also, holy shit, she also showed up to her audition for Glee in full Rachel cosplay. She walked in as Rachel, and she had just gotten into a car accident in the parking lot and still just, she was just like dusting glass out of her hair as Rachel being like, I don't know, is this an audition or am I already, have I already gotten the part? Yeah. No, Leia Michelle is another inspiration for like the, for Erica before she becomes like a better person, basically just channeling all of these like child star, child prodigies who just, you know, got a little big for their britches and need to learn how to be kind to people but more importantly learn to be kind to themselves you have to love you before you can love anyone else because i really do believe a lot of it is just like covering up a lot of insecurity well most definitely well and being taught from a young age to require external validation exactly yep yeah yeah it's 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 a lot like, it doesn't excuse their behavior. They do need to work on it. But I do think that we can always find a place in our hearts for people who are misunderstood. Most definitely. Yeah. And, like, don't forget all the shitty things they do, though. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they need to repent and atone. 100%. Yeah. A lot of yeah. groveling needs to be involved. But yeah, Michelle, you were racist when you were on Glee. Like, you were racist yeah. to a lot of people. Not okay. Well, that's actually, <laughs> like, the one thing that I think you can't really come back from. That's where I will not find, a heart, like, you know, the ability to forgive. Yeah. Yeah, no, never. That's what I'm saying. Never forget. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna, I forgot you're about that part. I forgot about that part. <laughs> as far as I know, Emmy Rossum hasn't done anything that problematic, but there's still time. Uh, my heart will break into a million pieces if I find out that she's truly problematic. I'm not going to lie to you. I honestly go into every uh, weird parasocial relationship that I have with people yeah. that I have crushes on by just believing that they are all deeply problematic in some way that we just haven't found out about yet so that I'm never disappointed. That's genius. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a life hack right there. Mm-hmm. God, wisdom. Except Bon Jovi, he's perfect. I never want to hear anything, say anything bad about Bon Jovi. And the minute that I find out that he's done something wrong, I don't know how I can go on. Yeah, fair. No, fair. I know. We all have our limits. <laughs> okay. So they don't listen and they do make La Carlotta the Countess and they make Christine Daae the silent page boy. There is a moment in which it's 
it's one of my favorite like speaking lines that that's in the movie at all shocking it's from mini driver i know but when the phantom interrupts everything to be like i gave you clear instructions and i don't know what you're doing do you hear my voice booming through the opera house christine die is like it's him and then la carlotta goes your part is silent you little toad <laughs> And the irony that later she starts croaking like a toad when he like gives yeah. her that stuff is so perfect. It's so like those little details are so good. But I also want to say that Emmy Rossum looks really hot in her page boy outfit. So um yeah. Emmy Rossum can rock a gender swap Hair outfit pants. hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and old do- tiny too. Yeah. Yeah, like her and then um, Meg at the end of the movie when she's wearing like the thigh, like the like the high-waisted pants. I know we've talked about high-waisted pants before. Really think that Meg pulls it off here. I mean, Meg is so hot. Like, I don't I don't understand how someone that hot exists. Like, really truly. <laughs> She's Yeah. She her and everybody in this movie's hot, but gosh, Meg is like, wow. Wow. Yeah. She and um Emmy Rossum. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, after, after once I found out that they are both, like, under 18 while filming this movie, I did feel very weird about all of these notes that I wrote. But, like, oh, I forgot. we're going we're gonna to just brush that off for now. No, because they're supposed Cause to I be, just, like, 22 in the movie. Yeah, in the book, I, in the book, I believe that um, Christine Daae is 20. And so this whole time I'm thinking, like, yeah, she's, like, younger, but she's still an adult. And then I'm just like, oh, God. Just like mm-hmm. mm. so just mm. all but you know back in 2004 we were still suffering from like teen stars and like creepy older men like you know I the Harvey back Weinstein in 2004 effect. i was also 17 so like i think i'm sorry i think i'm grandfathered in I think yeah I, I, you know what that's fair because emmy rossum is our age now and yes. we were 17 at the time that we saw this movie because yeah, i think i'm I allowed to be age. as creepy as i want <laughs> all right fair yeah <laughs> thank you We've explained it away, everyone. Please don't. I'm 35 now, but it happened when I was 17. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, turns out there is a big giant disaster. First, we think that it is La Carlotta's throat perfume getting switched out for a toad potion, which is a sentence I did not anticipate saying today. But then we do find out that it is a casual murder of Monsieur Bouquet or whatever it is. Bouquet. I don't remember what his name is. But the way that Madame Giry says it is just goddamn perfection. Yeah. So he does hang that man on stage. Uh, and he's dead now. And he's yeah. like, there, that's the disaster. Oh, no. And everyone's like, oh, man. Wow, I right. guess he was serious about that whole, like, terrible stuff happening. I guess we should right. have listened. Oh, yeah. And so as a result, Raul comes backstage and Emmy takes him upstairs, right? And he's yes. like, he's here. We got to go. We are not safe here. And he's like, there's no opera ghost. Shut up with your lady mouth. Oh, he's so patronizing and condescending. He's like, calm down. Let's talk yeah. about how much I love you. Even though this guy just got murdered. In front of your fucking face, Raul. And yeah. she says, I saw it with my own eyes. And he's like, with your lady mouth, though. Those are yeah. also lady eyes. Listen. Yeah. Listen. This song is romance itself. I'm not going to take it back. I'm not going to apologize for my 
opinion on this. This is something that will is just deep in my bones. However, there are lines like, um, oh gosh, let my voice be, you know, your care and comfort and like, just forget about all that other shit because your big strong man is now here. And yeah. Uh, no this, this is the only song in the movie that I don't like. And I don't know if it's because I'll always associate it with Raul and therefore I'll interpret I all those you. lines in like a really condescending way. But like and something about it, I'm just like, ugh, it's so saccharine, even though like so are all the other songs and I, know. I love them. I know. But this one, I'm just like, ew. Well, honestly, I think the reason that I can't get it out of my bones is because the Phantom does a reprisal. Right yeah. after these two fucks kiss and fuck off. But then he makes it sexy and sad and he's crying into a rose to dry his tears. I know. Which is so extra. And then he fucking mounts an angel. So it looks like he has angel wings, but dark yes. gargoyle ones. Like, and obviously, anyone who's read the bonus pegging scene knows that that was direct inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm like, that I don't was... even know how this is going to work. But for whatever reason, they need to fuck on this angel. or He needs to get pegged on the angel with the wings outspread. Yes. Obviously. Yes. I mean, the things that you did for us with that bonus scene was i just i can't i can't even like make words about it <laughs> yeah. i mean so in good. retrospect in retrospect i do feel like there's missed opportunity and not like kind of including lines from all i ask of you and not having him cry into a rose but maybe that would be too spot on it might yeah yeah i mean i know we said you can't be too unsubtle i know i'm having it's a, a hard tough, time it's, it's like it's a tough line because i feel like <laughs> if i would have done it then it would have been great but like i'm hesitating because you know mm, like, yeah. it, what what is too much right don't ask me of all I people know. <laughs> I am the wrong person unless you want me to say more. <laughs> more is I mean, more. To be completely honest, it's because I it's been like two years since I'd watched the movie and I just honestly didn't yeah. remember the scene that well. I, know. I really should have watched it before writing that picking scene. So that is my fault as a writer. I will admit I took a shortcut there. <laughs> and therefore, when I write an update someday, it will be Yeah. Yeah, I'm stoked about it already. Yeah, so the Phantom's like, I did just hear her profess her undying love and, like, ask him to, like, ride her off into the sunset on the whitest fucking steed there is. And that's bullshit, because I'll never ride a white steed in my life. I'm the Phantom. I'm, I'm, everybody yeah. hates me. My, my horse is black. Caesar is yeah. black. Caesar's black. And I'm not, I'm not bleaching his coat, thank you very much. No. <laughs> I'm a genius, but I'm not cruel. <laughs> yeah and so he's like all right i'll show them and and this is when so he's singing on the back of that fucking angel and i say kids this is what you call an act one finale <laughs> and they were taking notes right they're like they were. In case we need this yeah i have never seen them more mesmerized with something on the screen and like in an like like an active being mesmerized because we'll put cartoons on and they're just like you know zombies but in this one they were like asking questions and they were like what's happening with this and like why is this going on and and they were really trying to analyze it and just like 
I cannot tell you what it did for my heart and my soul and just like my younger self as well. You know? Yes. Yes. It was so good. Wait till they're old enough to invite them on as guests on the show. I know, right? I don't know. I might have to have somebody guest host because they're probably going to say things about their awakenings that they don't want to say in front of their mom. And I get that. (laughs) But also... (laughs) Yeah, you might have to do like a PG-rated version of the show just for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So now we come back to the act two opener. And this is one of the best act two openers in the history of musical theater. And I will fight anyone who says otherwise. And it is masquerade. So good. <laughs> I love it. And I'm, I'm not sure that this is true, but in my, my head canon, this is like their holiday party. Like this yeah. is just like, they're like cast party, right? Yes, I think that's absolutely. Yeah. And I was like, of course, that's awesome. They're throwing this bitch in party and everyone's Hell wearing yeah. costumes and Hell the people yeah. Well, the two people who don't follow the costume, well, I guess three, are obviously Christine, Raul, and the Phantom. But Christine doesn't, like, I like that she's wearing pink, because it shows Mm -hmm. she's caught between the white and black angel, you know, but then she's also the red of the Phantom that he's wearing Uh later. But Raul, for no fucking reason, is not wearing a mask. He's wearing some weird, like, Hussar costume or whatever, but there's no reason for that. No, he's just fucking above it. He's the guy who, like, wears his regular clothes at Halloween and puts, like, a red spot on his temple and is like, I'm a gunshot victim or whatever. And you're just like, no, you're just somebody who can't commit. Okay? That's what that's what you are. I just sir. think he's really arrogant. He's just like, well, I don't have to wear a mask. Wearing a mask yeah. is lame. He's like, I paid he for this he's shit. Too, he thinks he's too good for a mask, which is ironic because the Phantom has never been too good for a mask. Never in his entire life. I know a mask, my first unfeeling scrap of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's so good. And like he, I mean, he read the instructions for the costume party and he was like, you know what? I am going to follow instructions, but I'm going to take this to the next level. He had a cape and a train. Okay. Oh, yeah. The way that that fucking red train came down those stairs behind him and then disappeared just like all of Christine's slutness appeared on the way down to the dungeon. I thought he, take, I thought he does take it like a take it off like in this. There's does like he? the mute like he literally pauses singing to take off the cl- I was like oh another I mean, cl- yeah. I guess I, I thought about the cape and the train as two separate items of clothing oh, and they okay, might yeah, not yeah. be. You're right. Either way it might Let's be magic. Back. It might be sartorial. Who knows? <laughs> like, That's the best Venn diagram, right? It's like where you're not sure if it's magic or fashion. <laughs> and you say that Raul is a slave to fashion Phantom. I know, right? Because Phantom is setting the Phantom is setting trends and Raul is just running to catch up with them. Honestly, that's true. But like I understand now why he has all of his mirrors covered. And it's not because he's ugly. It's because he doesn't want to look at his own hypocrisy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Could be. Oh, my God. Okay. Now I have to talk about something else that's, like, kind of serious, but not really. But it is. So... I saw, obviously, I've been in love with this forever. And then I saw it in 2004. 
And then my dad died in 2006. And so the next song we come to, Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again, makes me sob every single time I hear it now because it just it's hit different since then. And I think because like the show is so like embedded into my bones, like there's a lot of songs that talk about death and grief and whatever. Yeah. Didn't change for me. It was usually new songs that fucked me over um, after he died. But this one just demolishes me. The, oh. It's so good. And Chris, and like Emmy Rossum, she's like crying the whole time, which is like the perfect amount of water in her eyes. You're just like, oh, how does she do it? I don't know. She's an angel. All right. So she wakes up. Raul is sleeping outside of her door, thinking that he can do fuck all to a goddamn wizard. A basement wizard? You think you can take on the basement wizard, Raul? There's no fucking way. But he does, and he proves that he's totally mediocre because she does just sneak right by him. But, like, why? You know what I mean? It's, I like, this is another one of those moments where you're like, babe, Christine, the answer is you're in love with the Phantom. Like, there's no fucking reason to go to the cemetery by yourself without your true love escort or whatever, unless you want to give somebody an opportunity to kosh a carriage driver and take you to the cemetery. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think it is true that Christina's not smart. Well, like, sure. She's, yeah. Yeah. She's never really demonstrated <laughs> intelligence and that's okay (laughs) we love that for her she her job is to be hot and good at singing and you know what she excels she nails it yeah 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 Yeah, so the phantom does sneakily kidnap her to the destination she wants to go in the first place you know what i mean so like it's fine (laughs) it really just helps her out i think and she sings wishing you were somehow here again because she needed to like She needed to ask for her dad's help because what's below all of this is that she's conflicted between, at least my interpretation, is that she's conflicted between the Phantom and Raul. And she's like, I need my dad's guidance because forever I have thought that the Phantom is this angel of music that my dad has sent me. And it like might be my dad in spirit coaching me on how to sing, which is like some weird daddy play that also like fucks with me. Well, if you look at the picture of the guy that they cast to be her dad in the scene where she's in the chapel, it's actually this guy who played Phantom of the Opera and Raul in like the stage theater. And he's like really hot. His name's like Ramin something. And he's dark haired and like he doesn't not look like Gerard Butler, if you kept that mask on, you know, like, how am I to tell between them? Uh (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she's singing this gorgeous song, walking through the the Parisian cemetery up to this mausoleum. And then goddamn pyrotechnic magic happens. And he's like, come to me, angel of music from inside the mausoleum, it seems like. And like the doors open and he's he's just luring her in because I think he has dug his own tunnel that goes from her dad's grave to his house. Well, this takes place in Paris and we yeah. I know that they have the Paris catacombs, so it's probably all yeah. connected. Like yeah, I, you're I, right. I believe he's a really good engineer but i think he spent most of his time at the theater so this is just you know he's got a map oh yeah found his way (laughs) i like it honestly yeah all right 
But then, who decides to come riding up? And I'm, I'm like, and see, she's wearing black right now because she's really going toward the side of the phantom. And mm-hmm. it's going to take. And she's got the lot. red roses, a bouquet of red roses to leave on your father's grave. That's appropriate. Yeah. Right. Weird. Weird. But then Raul comes in and he just breaks the glass bareback on his white steed. And he's like, The no, shirt Christine. open to his navel. Oh my God. That V-neck is so, so sweaty. deep. I love it. And it's just got it's the funny. right amount of flutter on him. <laughs> That's the one. This is the scene where I feel like someone, someone's note was like, all right, what if she doesn't have to choose? What if they cross swords? And yes. Joel Schumacher was like, I hear what you're saying. We're going to add a sword fighting scene. That's not in the show or the book. We're going to have a sword fighting scene. I love it. I love it. But it's going to be kind of slutty and homoerotic for the fans. And I mean, by kind of, we mean not subtle at all. Not subtle. No, I think the theme of this movie is not Mm. subtle at all. That's why I love it. So good. They do a big old sword fight. So they're, clashing and banging they're slinging and schlonging at each other cling clang mm-hmm. we're sword fighting and the phantom gets one over on raul and he cuts his arm up um and then raul gets the phantom on the ground and he's about to mer- penetrate him with his sword that's right Christ- sexily yeah and christine is like raul no not like this don't impale him like this and i was like christine that's mean to everyone but yeah i respect your boundaries i guess and so does raul this is one of those moments where raul puts his toxic masculinity into his pocket and he's like you know what you don't want me to murder him in the face right here right now fine i will just rescue you on my white steed and i will take you home and i think raul chickened out i think he didn't have what it took yeah oh wow wow he was caught up in the moment and then he's like oh shit uh christine's still here uh, <laughs> right okay i was getting a little too into this i had this, the phantom pinned down mm. Mm. I, know, I know i know i mean that's really ooh. okay so now now he looks at them as they're riding away on that white steed and he's like and now it is war upon you both. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. And so now the Phantom means fucking business. Um, he's gonna have that Don Juan happen, and he's he's gonna make his dreams come true, come hell or fucking high water. He's gonna get his Persephone down to his Hades. And so we've got now it's the now it's the production, right? Oh, no, no, no. Now, Emmy Rossum is sitting in the chapel being like, Raul, I'm scared. And I don't want to be bait. And I don't want to do this thing at all. Like, at all. All of my hackles are up. All of my spidey senses are saying, don't do this or there will be disaster. And he's like, oh, sweetie, darling, I have a man plan. Yeah, he's like, we've never listened to you. And yeah. all of my plans have worked out so well so far. So we're going to keep doing my plan instead of listening to you. Which really is like the whole theme of this movie. Like if they had just listened to the Phantom from the beginning and followed his instructions, none it's of this would have happened. Just pay him his salary, let him pick all of the singers and the set pieces and the 
plays and really just run the theater. He's they doing should be you grateful. A favor. They is. They have no idea what they're doing. They're junk kings. Honestly, go back to your trash, sirs. <laughs> yeah, Raul definitely doesn't know what he's doing. No, for sure not. No, open your oh, pockets, yeah. and that's all we need from you, Raul. Yeah, Look pretty. I guess I don't know. So, so the whole thing is during the masquerade scene when the Phantom shows up and demands they do his rendition of Don Juan and everything. He's like, and Monsieur. Pangiani or whatever his name is needs to lose some weight and he says it's because it's not healthy on a man his age but really it's because he wants the opportunity to murder up Pangiani backstage and then uh oh we forgot we forgot to tell them the backstory shit when when Raoul gets Madame Jury to tell him the backstory of the Phantom, fuck stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That again was like made for the movie where they're like, all right, we're gonna yeah. flashback to him being in. I think it's like a freak show or something. Listen, you know what? Two thousand four. It was still racist in two thousand four. Yeah, no, like, I, there was. It's still not as racist as the original book, but no, yeah, no. That's absolutely. how sad it is that it. This but, was the improvement. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, the whole thing is he was the victim of a supposedly Romani-run um, freak show, like traveling circus kind of thing. And he's horribly abused. And it's because he had a like a, a, a defect from birth that messed up his face and his like scalp and stuff. And so he was like the son of the devil or something. Listen, it's terrible. And yeah. Madame Giry goes, and she's the only one who recognizes this for what it is, which is absolutely horrendous child abuse. And she's the last one who leaves the tent. She does watch this probably eight-year-old murder the dude who's been um, keeping him captive by strangling him. And then she takes him down to the bottom of the opera house, and that's how he learned to live there. And she's like, he's a genius of all the things. And Raul's like, but that genius has obviously turned to madness. And she's like, I'm still really not convinced of that. But like, fine. <laughs> it, was one, it was one or two murders. Okay, I'm like, come on. He's been here for a long time. His track record, like small percentage of the days does he murder. Honestly, that's that's really a great point, Jen. And I'm I'm glad that you brought it up. Yeah. 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 The, just the stats alone. Okay, everyone? I mean, yeah. Who's among us, right? You're, <laughs> Honestly. Peter. Gotta <laughs> shed a little blood for the art. Yeah. But that that portrayal of the Romani was fucked up. And they Real hated fucked it. up. And it's still, it wasn't okay then. Definitely. Actually, I, okay thought, I think I fast forwarded through that scene this time. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to watch this. Like, really. And it went on for too long. And it was just so, like, it was like all caricatures and just. It was terrible. I think it was yeah. unnecessary. Like, we don't care. We're here to get horny for the Phantom. We don't need his tragic backstory. We already feel bad for him. Didn't we see Gerard Butler crying and looking sad? That's all that we need to know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but now, the so he does murder up Pangiani behind the scenes so that he can take his place and nobody notices somehow. Nobody notices that he no longer is able to sing in an operatic fashion at all. And he's just like a, a dude, a dude who's been here the whole time, I guess, according to everyone. So he takes yeah. over 
And everybody's like, something's weird. I wonder what it is. But Christine knows immediately. And she's like, insta-wet. I'm convinced. Oh, yeah. Well, you can tell because her, like, she's in the slutty costumes. Whenever she's dressed slutty, it's like, or in like, like, sexy, like, boob, you know, I, uh, flaunting outfits. That means, yes, that means she's like heading towards the phantom side and that she's ready to like go into, you know, his dark embrace. Yeah. Which is weird because he is a super virgin, but that's fine. He still knows how to get down. I'm sure. I bet. I mean, like, I bet he's so good at oral. That, he's like one of those guys who's like never yeah. done all the way, but he spent so much time practicing on that wax doll. <laughs> on the wax doll. <laughs> <laughs> he's an engineer. He's a musical genius. He's read books about this. He has You're it right. down to a science. He does. Yeah. Yeah. He knew about the clitoris and Raul still does. Yeah. Still well, and the important thing is, like, he, this is a reprisal of, like, their yes. first scene where they're down in the cave, and he does the thing where he stands behind her and, like, chokes her a little bit after, like, kind of, like, running his hands up her, like, oh, corseted-clad waist. And this time, um, he does God. not have black leather gloves on, and I think that's purposeful as well, because she's mm-hmm. fine with him getting his naked mitts on her. I know. His gloves are literally off. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so she... She's, like, completely mesmerized by him, and we watch her do, like, the whole scene and go up into the hell rafters with him, and he he does that mild choke on her, and then we, we watch her snap out of it a tiny bit and then be like, oh, but I'm still, I still have to show everyone who he actually is and, like, the monster behind this whole thing. And so she turns around and in front of God and everybody takes off not only his mask, but also his wig. That is, I mean, that's that's too far. That's mean, Christine. That's not, that's, that's not fair. Yeah, and this is what I really didn't like about Phantom of the Opera in general, is that like, Mm. we're supposed to believe that his worst trait is the fact that he has a deformity. And not the fact that he did do some murders. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the wax statue thing. But, you know, like, that, (laughs) like, of all of the reasons, like, I think that it's just really messed up. And, like, in Midnight Duet, I really made a point to, like, have it be, like, yes, Christine, or Erica's face is guard but that is not her problem her problem is her personality (laughs) and that's that's why people didn't like her is that she was being a diva and that she's kind of a bitch yeah and yeah yeah. so like the scarring and like the fact she's also like in the book she like went from being like a sample size zero to like she's gained some weight and she actually Mm -hmm. likes that about herself because she's like finally i don't have to starve myself for like have a stage perfect body and like right you know, but she's also very realistic that like other people perceive her differently because of this. And so mm. I think it's like a really interesting line to ride, right? Where it's like, there's nothing wrong with this, but it's also being realistic to be like, as you go through the world, people are going to yes. act weird when you take off your mask and they're like, holy right. shit, you have scars. So, right. like, I think it's just really fucked up that they make this like hit, like the Phantoms, like big, most like dramatic thing that they have to reveal yeah yeah i mean i think i think that's one of the reasons that they added that a horrible racist um child abuse sequence because i think it really shows like how bad society could be and absolutely was 
to him because of this thing. And, like, it's pretty clear that, like, his mom sold him because he, like, he explains later that the mask was, like, he he had to wear it as a, a baby as well. And, like, it's, you know, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's tough, right? Um, but... That's why I find one of my favorite lines in the the sequence coming up because she un- she unveils him to the world and he's like, oh, fuck everything. It's go time. And so he reveals all the secret trap doors that he did make while everybody else was sleeping. And he just like plummets with her down into the catacombs and it's so fucking sexy. Like, it's so it's cool. Like, yeah. When you think about that like that like tummy swoop feeling you get when you drop suddenly combined with like the mild choke that just happened to her and you know the the danger bang of it all yeah like, it's just it's too much it's too much it's for like any the mere sexiest mortal. i'm dragging you down to hell with me thing ever oh my good yeah uh-huh. i mean she doesn't deserve it after taking off his mask which i do think it's unforgivable but he's all Absolutely. like all right Let's just go fully into the demon uh, side of the metaphor here. Light this bitch on fire. Take you down to hell. Yeah. And this is when not only does that release the trap doors, but it also fucks up the chandelier. So the chandelier comes crashing down into the crowd and everybody that everything's burning down and everybody's trying to escape. And it is a whole big giant thing. And it makes me so happy. And they did actually burn down this theater. So $80 million budget, they were like, we want to burn this. Like, we're actually going to burn this down. So they did burn down their stage theater for this. I didn't know that. I love that. Yeah. Shit. Wasteful in retrospect, but I like that they went all in. You gotta. I mean, you gotta. This is Phantom of the fucking Opera. And that's why you need a stunt chandelier for your regular chandelier. You do. Swarovski will never allow that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) oh my god okay so all right now we go into the like the final last you know the final songs including phantom of the opera and there's a couple of reprisals of the previous songs and the gloves are actually off you know like but now emotionally off he's just like no this is a thing i want i manifested this like let, i'm going to explain to you just how fucking hard my life has been and this is where my favorite line of this section is your haunted face hold no horrors for me now it's in your soul where the true distortion lies yes and like i think that I don't know. I don't think it's like the thesis of the show or the movie, but I do think it's meant to be sort of a band-aid over this, like, he's fucking ugly and that's the worst thing about him. You know? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. No, it's like they kind of go there, but they don't really, you know, they don't really pull it off. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I do really like, I mean, I I like the message that they were going for. execution wasn't fantastic but the message of phantom of the opera in general is like the same as beauty and the beast right and hunchback of notre dame and yeah all of the other french stories yeah (laughs) it's true so the french are really into bestiality and you know what good for them i like it i don't i don't hate it so madame jiri shows raul down into the catacombs she only goes so far though because bitch is a survivor and she is smart 
And she's like, fuck mm-hmm. this, fuck you. I'm not doing that. So Raul goes down the rest of the way. He does encounter some very genius booby traps, but he defeats them. It's fine. And then he's like, hey, girl, hey, I'm here now. <laughs> and the Phantom is like, oh, thank you for joining me. Wow, you, you're in my lair. And it's incredible. So he lets and him he, like, in. And he sexually chains him to the, yeah. the grate. He lets him in only to tie him up against the, what is that called? It's like the part of the castle. It's like the, the, it's not the, the moat, not the drawbridge. No, it's, it's, it's that, like the gate or something. It's, like yeah, the, it's that checkered gate that comes down that has all the pointy shit at the bottom. Yeah. And it's serious and it's sexy. So he ties him to that and then he's like, Christine, you have to make a choice. He puts a noose around Raul's neck and he's like, you either choose me or I murder up your true love because you love him so much. But we all know he sucks. And Raul's like, Christine, don't don't sell your soul for me. And and then he says, like, what else does he say? He says, like, oh, he says, why would you make her lie to save me? <gasps> How dare you, Raul? How dare you? Also, like, he was crying so much during Don Juan because he knows that he's never going to have that kind of chemistry. Never. With, yeah. Just, I'm like, telling you, he tears. knows it. He, he knows. knows it. He's like, I will never, like, the re- even if I keep Christine, I am never, like, going to be able to fuck her like the Phantom does. Never. In theory. Right. And, like... I don't know. I think it I think it makes up for a lot of his douchebaggery later on because you know, at the end, spoiler alert, everybody, he takes Phantom's papier mache monkey music box and he leaves it at her grave because he knows that she carried a torch for him for the rest of her goddamn life and he's fine with it because he did get to fuck her on the regular if you think part two doesn't exist. (laughs) Right, yeah. I mean, but we do assume that she calls out the Phantom's name frequently when she orgasms. Absolutely. Yeah. Does she make Raul wear a mask every once in a while? Sure. Okay, but like we all do things in partnerships. Exactly. That's all I'm yeah. Saying. I mean, and let's be real. I think Raul kind of has a thing for the Phantom too. After all the chemistry they had in the graveyard, and then being tied up in his dungeon. So I think they're like kind of both into it together. And maybe I he has so her too. wear the ma- the mask sometimes and the cape because <gasps> she looks so good in her like page boy outfit. Oh shit! Oh yeah. wow, you're right. This oh. is now my head cannon. Oh wow! This it's is better than fan- love ever di- never dies. Thick, yeah. Oh yeah, we're here, uh, and I never want to leave. Frankly, <laughs> okay. So anyway, she says she she puts on the ring, and she walks up to him with her Emmy Rossum, just the right amount of wetness, doe eyes, and she says how she says something like, "How am I to show you?" What is she, what's the last line that she says before she lays one on him? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, it's so good. She's like, it's something like, how am I to show you that? You, oh, you are not alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. She wins him over with her love. Yes. And it's and it's genuine. And I think that's what finally fucking breaks him is that he has felt love for the first time in his tortured fucking life. 
and he looks at her and he says, oh, fuck, I am a murderer and I'm slightly unhinged and I'm just realistic enough to know that I can't make you happy long term. And I love you so much that you deserve happiness long term. And I think that's this fuckhead back here. So take him, go before I change my mind. Get out of here. He he white fangs her hard. And <laughs> get out. Go. Yeah, the trauma. <laughs> the white fang trauma. Why? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the whole like if you love something, you have to let it go. That's like yeah. very beauty and the beast too. And yeah. like yeah, but this yeah. is also, I'm sorry, before all of this, we do find out that um, he does say that the same the same face that, like, like g- gave him all of his loneliness is also what, like, kept the joys of the flesh from him or whatever, you know? So, you know, we know some things about the Phantom. It's fine. But not the um, joys of wax. The joys of wax are plentiful for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the original <laughs> fleshlight. Oh, God. Maybe that's why she actually fainted. Because just like the stench of years old calm. Ah. Oh, my God. Be like, those aren't wax candles. Like, the, that's not wax <laughs> dripping all over the floor. <laughs> Congealed. <laughs> Anyway, we've suddenly made this far less sexy. I, I don't or know. More That's... sexy, depending on, you know, not judging. Exactly. Is it obsession? Is it devotion? I'm very confused. And so is Christine. Because then, so he's like, I'm, I have to be okay that I'm going to be a lonely fucking monster for the rest of my life. And so he sits down in his beautiful swan bed that he was going to share with his one and only Christine Daae. And he takes out his fucking monkey music box that does play Masquerade. Because of course it does. Hide your face so the world will never find you. Shut up. No. And then he rides rides his swan bed across the Atlantic to Coney Island. He does. Yeah. And she gives him back his ring. And you know she's standing there being like, I can heal you with my vagina. I think I can. Would Would a polyamorous situation work? And then she's like, it's 1870 and I'm not smart enough to have that kind of imagination. I'm gonna go with the blonde one. Yeah. And she leaves. She's like, you can live in our basement. Yeah, that's oh my God. probably what she whispers to him. And then he's like, well, I'm going to do some self-work. Maybe yes. atone for the murders and all these other things. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to rebuild the opera house so that we can later auction things off. Absolutely. And then when I'm finished doing that and I've atoned for my sins, then I will come to you. I will meet you at the wooden roller coaster. Yeah. Christine. Is what I'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, and then as soon as he starts, like, breaking all the mirrors in his lair, my kids were like, what's he doing? <laughs> and I was like, you're going to see. You'll see. He's you know? be- being melodramatic because that is his right as a practitioner of theater. Yeah. He's being – I'm sorry. Not He is a true practitioner of theater, though, because yes. not only is he being melodramatic – but he's also being practical because he did hide an escape route behind one of those mirrors. And like, what kind of fucking genius does it take to be this perfect is all I'm asking. 
the world. I know, right? Like he he already planned how like the chandelier was gonna be connected to the trap doors to take him down to hell slash his room. Like he he had it all planned out. So And you know? like I'm sorry to say everyone, but as far as I can see, and I might be a little brainwashed, but just go with me here. I think that the Phantom does have heaving bosoms approved reasons for every murder that he does. You know I what agree. I mean? One hundred percent. Like the murder is not the creepiest thing he does because he doesn't really murder anyone that important, or that doesn't no. really deserve it. I assume right. that that the opera guy deserved it for reasons. There were reasons that happened. Is all I'm yeah. saying. He and is a bad pet owner. Doesn't treat his probably. horses well. Mm-hmm. I'm making up right now. Yeah, absolutely. No, I hear you. And so hashtag reasons. Yeah. That's why it's fine for the Phantom, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, and then Minnie Driver sings the out music, which is, oh my God. Oh, oh no, 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 I'm sorry. So now we come to what turned out to be the climactic moment for my six-year-old. My poor, sweet, sweet soul little boy. Raul takes the music box to the grave. And he's like, whose grave is that? Is that Christine's dad's grave? And I was like, oh, no, bud. And it pans up and it says Christine Daae. And and he he was already sitting on my lap because he'd gotten a little nervous <laughs> during the intense parts. And then he just burst into noisy sobs because Christine had died. <laughs> That's so how sad. we all feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it looked down and we get a shot that the phantom has left a deep red rose with the ring she gave back to him and a black ribbon. And he left that at the grave. And once again, Raul looks down and he's like, he bested me even now. Fuck. Even our very last (laughs) tokens to her. Leaving very expensive gifts on her grave that don't get stolen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And so I had to like, I had to like pet him and be like, it's because they had a beautiful life together. And her epitaph was beloved wife and mother. And so she had a great life. And he's just like, against my chest. And it made me so happy. (laughs) Oh, I know. I mean, yeah, this, like, does kind of have a happy ending, so it's technically still a bromance, because, again, we don't know that the Phantom didn't join them later yeah, and help raise their amazing children. And in my brain, he did. He absolutely did. Yes. Yeah, they were all three of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. In his swan bed. They pulled a new Camelot, is what they did. Everyone thought the Phantom was dead, but no, he's just on the farm, everyone. (laughs) He's living that sweet, sweet life, you know, three-way with uh, Raul and Christine, as we all wish we could. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Wow. You have done me so many services since we've become friends, and I don't know... I don't know how to thank you, frankly. No, I can't. I have to say the same to you. I mean, thank you for having me back on. And thank you for giving me an excuse to watch this again and just talk about, obsess about that one scene for a good 45 minutes. At least. 
I mean, we could keep going, but I think we should put everyone out of their misery. It's just, this is, I'm obviously like very obsessed with this. This is like, the, I don't even like musicals. I only like Phantom of the Opera. Oh my so, God. I love that. I love that for you. Oh yeah. God, I, love I mean, that. I was like a little goth kid growing up and I was super into anything beauty and the beast stockholm syndrome i mean like we can yes. get deep down in my psyche here like this is what imprinted on me yes. and in 2004 right and so this is what you know i finally got to write the romance novel of my dream oh and it's the romance novel of my dreams too oh my god just that kirkus review alone was fa- i mean it's like i i think i said this uh earlier on but like I don't know if you can describe a melody book more than like if you like your romance with a side of like zany and I don't know, whatever the fuck bonkers I think it's. I think they literally yeah, char- use the charmingly bonkers. bonkers. Charmingly yeah. bonkers. Like I've actually stolen that now and put it as my Twitter header and I mean, like my author chef's brand. Kiss. Chef's yeah. kiss. Thank you, yes. Kirkus, for doing all my marketing work for me. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Do you have a lady love? Um, it is going to be imagining alternate endings to all of your favorite movies that usually involve yeah. and having it involve a three way because I didn't think yeah. of one ahead of time. <laughs> no, I I hear you and I support that hard because the fanfic we came up with during this episode is gonna it's gonna take me to places that yeah. are necessary, frankly. I've already thought of some great Madame Jury as like a ballet dominatrix <gasps> lady <gasps> love thing. Yes, absolutely. Holy shit. Yeah, mine is, um, God, revisit some of your childhood obsessions as an adult and like w- just watch them soar in how much they hold up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. God, this made me so happy. All right. Where can they find you online? Because they have to follow you. They have to see all the pictures of your cats. They have to see all of your <laughs> hilarious quips on Twitter. It has to happen. Yes. Well, I spend most of my time on Instagram now. So my yeah. Instagram handle is at jen.comfort.author. And then, of course, my website, jencomfort.com. But most importantly, if you haven't read Midnight Duet, please do that. But then definitely get the bonus scene. But if you are subscribed to any level of Patreon um, to Heaving Bosoms, yeah. you will get to the bonus scene, which is a 6,000-word pegging scene that should have been in the book, but I didn't have enough space. Oh, my God. Sh- huh. I don't know. It's uh, like... Um, can mere mortals read this 6,000 word bonus scene that you wrote for us? Like, I don't know if the lay person could handle it. It's so good. <laughs> I know you said two to 3,000 words. And I was like, you know what? Let's go twice that long. Cause oh, I've got a lot it. to say about, about pegging on a rooftop in front of an angel statue. I can't, I can't with you. I can't with you and how perfect you are and like how you knew somehow how just like to reach into my id and pull forth all of the brilliance I could never come up with on my own. God, to live in your brain must be incredible. Wow. I would say that the same to you. I feel like you kindred, <laughs> kindred spirits. I will come back and spend hours obsessing over our creepy gothy childhood obsession yes. forever. <laughs> yeah. So any level of the Patreon, you get this pegging scene written by the one and only Jen, Jen Comfort. It is. It occurs in chapter 28 of Midnight Duet. So frankly, I think you should get the book and read it as well. 
Because the book is also perfection. Anyway, uh, keep being a badass and love yourself as much as you love somebody doing a gondola on you. <laughs> a gondola on you. <laughs> love yourself as much as you love making a wax statue of someone that you're obsessed with. <laughs> Keeping it in your basement and maybe doing inappropriate things to it. Maybe doing a bit of a touch and feel on it. That's all. Who's <laughs> among us? <laughs> Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show. <laughs>